Virtual Assistant Podcast, episode number two. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Virtual Assistant Podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And of course, this podcast is devoted to you, the small to medium-sized business owner who would like to learn how to become more effective, productive, and profitable through the art of delegation, especially with the use of a virtual assistant. That's right, my friends. And of course, we're here to answer your questions. And I want to say thank you to all of you who have responded so kindly with all your encouraging feedback from the very first episode I released. And also want to say thank you for leaving comments on the blog at virtualassistantpodcast.com. And of course, there have been several of you who have called in your questions on our voicemail feedback hotline, 859-795-4067. I'll mention that number again right before we end the show today. But I'm going to just turn right to the very first question of the day. Actually, it's the only question of the day because I'm going to be sharing with you another interview. And uh, we're just going to turn over to Brent Green. Brent, take it away. Hey, Cliff. It's Brent Green calling in for your new virtual assistant podcast. Excited to hear that you're going to start that up. Hey, I've got a question for you. We've been thinking for a few weeks about hiring a virtual assistant. We do a lot of workshops overseas and we do career coaching both here in the States and overseas. So we need some help help with, uh, oh, some administrative type stuff, some some web work, some processing of podcasts, things like that. And I, I love all things cross-cultural. So my thought is to first hire someone from another culture. Uh, you know, it is cheaper, but that's not my main reason. I think my main reason is I just love interacting with people from different cultures. So wanted to ask you when you considered, uh, you know, the different options, why you decided to choose uh, a VA here in the U.S. instead of overseas and wanted to get your opinion on what you thought the advantages and disadvantages of each an international and, and one locally here in the U.S. would be. Hey, thanks for what you guys do there at GSPN and we love how you've helped us with the Pursuing Meaningful Work podcast and the network page that you've helped us set up. So thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, Brent, thank you very much for calling in that question. And yeah, Brent Green is one of my clients and I did help him set up a podcasting network and uh, happy to do so. And uh, but anyway, what we're here to do is answer your question about virtual assistants. And Brent, that's what I'm going to do. A couple things here. I, I want to share and just uh, acknowledge or confess to everybody that I had a really bad view of virtual assistants for a while. And uh, it, some of it was actually brought on by the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. Now, this is really weird for me to share because it's The 4-Hour Workweek that really prompted me and encouraged me to really consider having a virtual assistant. But it's the, at the same time, it's the, it's the one source that really did the most damage uh, as far as the reputation and the idea of having a virtual assistant. And I'll give you an example of this. It, it comes from chapter eight of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, where Timothy Ferris shares a story of a guy who works for Esquire magazine. And in this, in this uh, chapter, it's called uh, Outsourcing Your Life, I believe is what it's called. But anyway, he gives, he gives a story of, of this guy who's a writer for Esquire magazine 
he shares the story in here where this virtual assistant is asked to write a letter to the Colorado Tourism Board. Let me let me just read to you what this this writer of the Esquire magazine writes in the in the book. It says, "Honey is my product protector. Honey is his virtual assistant. I don't know what country she's from, but I would imagine she's from a, another country outside the U.S." Anyway, uh, that's me adding that. That's not in the book. Anyway, "Honey is my protector." Protector. The person writes. Consider this. For some reason, the Colorado Tourism Board emails me all the time. Uh, most recently, they informed me about some festival in the Colorado Springs featuring the world's most famous Harlequin. Anyway, he said he actually requested that Honey gently ask them to stop with the press releases. Here's what she sent to the Colorado Tourism Board. Now, this is what I read. And I want to tell you, this is the first thing that just in my mind says, you know what? There's no way I want to hire a virtual assistant outside of the U.S. Not if this is the kind of work. But anyway, this guy seems very excited about this letter. I'll read it to you and then I'll come back and kind of share why this gave a real bad taste in my mouth. It says this. It says, this is what Honey wrote. Dear all, Jacobs often receives mails from Colorado News too often they are definitely interesting topics. However, these topics are not suitable for Esquire. Further, we do understand that you have taken a lot of initiatives working on these articles and sending it to us. We understand. Unfortunately, these articles and mails are too time-consuming to read. Currently, these mails are not serving right purpose for both of us. Thus, we request to stop sending these mails. We do not mean to demean your research by this. We hope you understand too. Thanking you, Honey KB. And the and this guy writes, that is the best rejection notice in journalism history. It's exceedingly polite, but there's a little undercurrent of indignation. Honey seems almost outraged that Colorado would waste val- the valuable time of Jacobs. Now, here's, the, here's, here's my thinking on this, okay? First of all, it says, dear all, Jacobs often receives mails. It's not mails. It's email. Okay. That, that bugs me. And first, and and the second of all, it's, it should be Mr. Jacobs. It's not Jacobs. It should be Mr. Jacobs often receives email from Colorado news. And then it doesn't have to have the too often. So that's just grammatically incorrect. There are definitely interesting topics. However, these topics are not suitable for Esquire. That's pretty well done. The other one is, these mails are not serving right purpose for both of us. What does that currently these mails are not serving right purpose for both of us? I mean, it looks like you've got a fourth grader writing your letters. I mean, is this really what I can expect if I hire a virtual assistant and hiring a virtual assistant in, in, in another country where English is not their primary language? Is this what I want? I mean, seriously? And of course, um, you know, I went on to read the book and and there there's a big question in here that I think really gets to the heart of the matter. And, 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 and the question is this. He says, this is the hurdle that is hard for most. If I can do it better than my assistant, then why should I pay them at all? And this is what really got me over that grammatically incorrect statement. And it says, because the goal is to free your time to focus on bigger and better things. And so that's why it's like, okay, maybe there's a way to have a virtual assistant where I can actually have somebody do things in a way that I would do them 
that would still free up my time to do bigger and better things. You know, and I love what Timothy Ferris wrote in his book. He says, listen, even if your time is, let's just say your time is only worth 25, 20 to $25 an hour. And he's writing to people who are employees of companies. Okay. He says, listen, let's just assume that you're working for a company. You're paid 20 to 25 bucks an hour. If you're paid that much to do something and somebody else, and you're actually sitting there doing these tasks that somebody else would be willing to do for $10 an hour. It, he says, it's simply a, a poor use of resources. It's important to take baby steps towards paying others to do the work for you. Few do it, which is the reason why few people have their ideal lifestyles. Now, I don't know about this. I, you know, the, the idea of, you know, being an employee for another company and then outsourcing your work to third world country or something like that, that seems a little far-fetched. But for me, it does make sense to say, you know what, I am the owner of my business. I am the one ultimately in control. I'm the one who decides how much work I can and cannot take in. And so there's obviously been times in my life where as a business owner, I could certainly stand to take in some more business and that would pay me $150 an hour, but I am not able to take that business because I'm so busy doing things that quite honestly, somebody else would do for a whole lot less money. Now for me, Brent, I've chosen to hire somebody here in the States and I can't say that I can give you all the benefits of having somebody in the States other than the fact that I do know that my virtual assistant is somebody that does understand what it's like to live in our culture and understands, you know, the the work ethic of many of the people here in the States. She understands the language extremely well. And not only that, but um, she communicates perfect English, which is great. Actually, better English than mine. So when I have her write a letter or proofread something that I've written, uh, she she does a better job than I could of of getting the words out there just right. And so... That's some of the benefits. So I immediately had a really bad picture in my mind of what a virtual assistant was. Another thing I didn't like about Ferris's book is about how he says, listen, you know, you, you should take, you, he says, getting a personal remote assistant is a huge departure point and may, marks the moment that you learn to give orders and be commander instead of the commanded. And I'm like, okay, I get it. It, it, it is important to, to be able to understand that, you know what, you can be in charge. You can be a leader. But sometimes I just feel like it's so demeaning to the people. It's like these are these are peons. I, I don't know that Timothy Ferris meant it to sound that way, but it's certainly the impression that I had. It's the impression that I had of the whole industry. And, and I'm so thankful that things worked out the way that they did and that I no longer have that perspective. And now I have a, a broader open mind about all things related to the industry of virtual assistants. And and so I can tell you right now, I absolutely love the fact that I have somebody here in the States. There are still tasks that I could see that could be done where I'm paying, you know, 19 bucks an hour uh, for my virtual assistant. I could actually see hiring somebody at a lower cost, let's say seven, eight bucks an hour to do some things that really, to be honest with you, are you know, it, it would be an unwise use of resources to have somebody, I'm paying 20 bucks an hour to do something the, that somebody else will do for eight bucks an hour. And and so there, there are even further thoughts in my mind that I might make use of some of these other options, not instead of my virtual assistant here in the States, because I'll tell you what, you couldn't pry Andrea away from me. My wife would kill me if I actually let Andrea go. Uh, and she'll be the first to tell you that. Uh, you know, I love working with Andrea. And in fact, I eventually hope to increase the number of hours that she works for me. But I'm actually looking for the day where now 
I might hire somebody from, let's say, India, uh, China, or the Philippines, or wherever, and have Andrea kind of oversee some of those things if she'd be interested in doing that for me. If not, I'll kind of oversee it myself. But I, I would be willing to think that she probably would help oversee that. And and because I see this thing growing, I see I see my business expanding, and it's important for me to be able to, to have time to work on my business instead of working in it all the time, doing the things that you know quite honestly are are things other people could be trained to do efficiently at a much lower cost than what my my t- my own time is worth as far as when you consider what I could be doing with my business to earn a whole lot more income but Brent you asked the question of what about the benefits of hiring somebody from overseas and of course I don't have any experience in that which is why I'm going to share with you an interview that I just recently did Now, before I do that interview, I do want to just take a second to say thank you to ContemporaryVA.com. ContemporaryVA.com is the actual firm that I use for my virtual assistant. And uh, Contemporary VA is a firm that I, I, I tell you, I love them beyond measure. I mean, what they've done for my business is out of this world. And it couldn't be easier to work with them and to work with Andrea. They are the sponsor of the Virtual Assistant Podcast, and we thank them immensely for that. The best thing about the sponsorship is I I talk with Heather, who's the owner and CEO of Contemporary VA. And what's really awesome about the sponsorship is she's not opposed to me highlighting other aspects of the virtual assistant industry. So here I'm getting ready to play for you now an interview with Gilbert Ballou, who actually is the vice president of business development for staffvirtual.com, which is a competitor, if you will, uh, in one aspect to Contemporary VA. And, And does my sponsor mind that I'm going to give you an alternative view? Absolutely not. And that's what I love about this. And so, um, what I'm going to do now is instead of trying to explain to you the benefits of hiring somebody in, in a country outside of the U.S., I'm going to let Gilbert do that through the interview that I did with him. And I want to tell you, Brent, Gilbert's interview that I'm about ready to play right now, it completely changed my perspective on having a virtual assistant outside of the U.S. and instead has got me to the point where I'm actually considering that probably several months down the road, I could see myself making use of just such a virtual assistant. Well, without further ado, folks, I just want to say again, thank you for subscribing to the Virtual Assistant Podcast. And I'm just going to turn everything over to that interview now. Here you go. All right, folks, I am here talking with Gilbert Ballou. And Gilbert, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So tell me, Gilbert, what is it that you do and how does it relate to virtual assistants? Well, uh, about about two years ago, uh, my business partner, uh, who was in the real estate world, uh, picked up a virtual assistant and real quickly uh, found found his virtual assistant to be of great, great assistance to him and uh, quickly started extolling the virtues of a VA to me. Uh, I was also in the, the real estate world on the commercial side of things and uh, decided to give his virtual assistant a try. And then from there, one thing led to another and uh, a group of us colleagues came together where we actually decided it would be better to create a, create a firm and uh, start, start putting virtual assistants out there to a lot of our friends and colleagues who have a lot of, 
who have a lot of startups and small to mid-sized companies uh, that that come with a lot of the typical, you know, a lot of the typical uh, uh, busyness, busybody work that uh, that's required to, to do those types of, you know, to perform those types of companies. So you have a firm that you own along with a couple of other partners. What's the name of the firm? Our, our company is Staff Virtual. And uh, we started that over a year ago, last January uh, of 09. And we actually have a team uh, in the Philippines, uh, my CEO and business partners in the Philippines, uh, with our general counsel. And they, they actually have an office set up over there uh, in, a, in a PBCom building where uh, we are actually placing virtual assistants with busy professionals here in the United States. And then over here in the U.S., uh, myself and uh, my EVP, along with my director of sales, uh, are, we're out actively uh, picking up the clientele and, and kind of putting the word out, if you will. So when somebody asks you, what is a virtual assistant, how do you answer that question? Well, uh, a virtual assistant can really, can really be one of many things. We, the way we uh, kind of differentiate uh, is between a virtual assistant, which would perform such tasks as answering the phones, calendaring, scheduling, data entry, tra- transcription. Um, a lot of times they do word processing or basic billing for clients. Um, and as well as like say appointment reminders and research as well as personal errands. We've actually had people do, uh, have their VAs take online tests for them. But, uh, to differentiate that from say a virtual specialist, uh, which is another, another field that we've, uh, we've been having a lot of success with, uh, virtual specialists kind of come with, uh, a field of expertise, whether that's a paralegal, uh, SEO work for search engine optimization, you know, website development. Uh, accounting is one that we kind of see growing in the in the coming years as uh, as the United States will be going on transferring over to the internationally accredited standards, which all uh, international accountants are, are already well versed on. And we've even placed uh, virtual architects, believe it or not. So it really a, a virtual assistant or a virtual specialist is anybody who performs a task uh, that can be done on a computer. My understanding of a virtual assistant, the way that I've explained it up to this point is it's just, it's kind of like an employee, but it's, it's somebody that you don't necessarily have on as an official legal employee. Correct. Correct. Uh, you know, an on-site employee, uh, you know, in the traditional sense, uh, it comes with a lot of costs. There's the typical overhead costs. You have to set up a workstation for them, a desktop, there's your HR and IT costs if, if you're uh, a mid-sized company or larger. Uh, and there's even the, the HVAC, uh, electric, electrical, even the office space leasing costs. In some cases, there's parking costs associated with bringing on an employee uh, or common area fees like the elevator costs uh, in larger buildings. Not to mention the actual employee costs, such as paying the benefits, the taxes, the workers' comp. Uh, and you know, even, even there's, there's even costs associated with water cooler and break room supplies, but with a virtual assistant, all of that is eliminated and that, that can easily account for 20%, if not more, depending upon, uh, you know, whether you're looking at a virtual assistant versus a virtual specialist and, uh, you know, a variety of other factors, but really what a virtual assistant, what an onsite employee is, is a liability for a company, whereas a virtual assistant is really an asset. They're there to do work for you, and it really is just a straight, a straight cost at the end of the month. And they're, and they're easy to use for, for scalability purposes. 
as well. So your firm, do you have virtual assistants all over here in the United States or just in the Philippines? We, uh, we have, we, I, I actually get resumes from locals here in the United States and I, I keep them on hand. Uh, what we really haven't placed any of them to be honest. And the reason for that is one of the benefits of offshoring your labor pool, uh, is labor cost arbitrage. And real simply, the cost of living uh, in, in some of these foreign countries uh, is not nearly as high as that of living in, in the United States. So we're able to employ uh, highly qualified personnel for these, these various tasks at a, at a fraction of the cost of what it would cost to have their American counterpart do the same job. Uh, there's also other benefits, uh, being on a different time zone. Uh, some people like to have a VA come into work around, you know, 4 p.m. their time uh, and kind of pick up the, the workload that's that hasn't been finished and work on it throughout the night. So when they come back in at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. the next morning, uh, it's it's all sitting there uh, waiting for them in, in their inbox. Uh, other other people like to have their VA work with them on the time zone. And uh, another another great thing about using using the foreign labor pool is uh, there's these 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 virtual assistants have a very strong service based work ethic so they they have an incredibly friendly demeanor and they're very excited to work for american companies or american people therefore they have no problem uh working our our time zones so which is you know a night shift for them or a swing shift all right so what about the fact that these folks are not from the united states i mean what about phone calls and 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 making taking in taking appointments for you and stuff like that. What what about their English? I mean, is this a, a concern at all? Well, the reason we chose the Philippines, and that's a great question, uh, one one I get asked quite quite uh, often. Uh, the reason we chose the Philippines, a lot of people are not aware of this, but uh, the national language of the Philippines is actually English. So they speak great English over there, and their accent is virtually undetectable. Uh, in in most cases, people don't even realize they're speaking to someone overseas. And that is not necessarily the case when employing a virtual assistant from, say, um, China or India. Not to say that their, their work is less, you know, less quali- qualified. Uh, in many cases, it's, it's a great, great labor pool no matter what country you choose. Uh, but the English language is very important to us, especially in the Philippines with their, as I said, their their, uh, their work ethic and their, and their service-based uh, demeanor uh, really works well with the American, the American uh, executive. All right. Big question I get asked a lot is security. How do you handle getting a virtual assistant and giving them access to key critical information like uh, logging into certain accounts on the web? Sure. Yeah, that's, uh, there again, another great question. The way we have addressed this, because uh, this is a serious issue and, and one that needs to be taken seriously, especially as this continues to become a growing industry, as, as, we, as we feel it, is, it will be, uh, is, is simply the reason why we set up an office over there. Uh, if you compare you know, our VAs uh, to that of, like say, a freelancer that you just pick up off the web, uh, a freelancer is going to be working from home as opposed to uh, an actual office. Uh, and then when they're working from home, there's, re- there's really no guarantee of security. In our office, we're in a PESA certified office, which is a, a government certified building for international business in the Philippines. We're based out of Makati 
which is a financial district uh, of Manila. And in that, we have card scanner uh, access. We have um, um, webcam um, surveillance. And we actually have an HR director on hand who is who is monitoring the situation. So there's nothing, nothing is being taken home. They're working on workstations at the office. We're able to monitor monitor their work through through our own personal security team that we have employed. So that that's how we're handling it now. And as of yet, this has not been an issue for any of our clients. Uh, some people like to have their virtual assistant pay bills, uh, in which case. Um, if you want to have someone pay bills, you can you can either set up a, a side bank account and then put like petty cash in there, say three to five hundred dollars, as opposed to giving them access to your to your main bank account, um, or giving them access to a, a you know some sort of debit card with with a similar similar uh, process. What about this this mindset of you know oh I it, you're just adding to this whole problem of sending p- business offshore? It, it, you're you're harming, you know, your own economy when you when you actually hire people from other places. What what do you have to say about something like that? Well, it's it's a, it's a valid um, concern, and what the way we look at it is, we we like to offshore the time consuming, repetitive tasks when it comes to a virtual assistant, um, and, and a lot of these tasks are tasks that most Americans do not want to do themselves. And one of my very first clients, I ended up actually placing a virtual assistant to help the actual on-site assistant. So in a lot of cases, you'll have you'll have offices that already have an assistant, but she's overworked and they can't afford to bring on another assistant. So we, bringing on a virtual assistant is actually helping helping the American assistant that's already doing the work. Uh, with another with another uh, client we worked with, uh, us bringing on a virtual assistant to help him uh, with with his uh, sales process actually enabled him to hire on another American counterpart within 60 days. So we, we've actually found that it's, it's in a lot of cases, quite the opposite. We're helping the economy bounce back because people can now afford to reach out and get that, li- that labor at an affordable rate that they could not do before. And when they have affordable labor, they can become more productive. And when they become more productive, they in turn then are in a better position to hire on American personnel. What kind of work can somebody in the Philippines do for me? I mean, what what are the most common tasks? Well, as I said, with the, with the virtual assistant, uh, it comes down to you know each individual company what what it is uh, or or uh, executive uh, it, what it is exactly they need to have done. What we are doing a lot of on the specialized side of things is, as I mentioned earlier, the SEO work, um, website development. Uh, uh, we can even get uh, trained uh, technicians like MCSE certified personnel to uh, to help with to help with uh, IT departments. Uh, we actually have a division um, of our company. We actually have a parent company, Vertoran, which is the holding company of Staff Virtual, and we actually have a few other divisions. One of them is a legal services division that we developed out last year, where we're working with attorneys uh, and doing medical summation work. And uh, that that uh, we're hiring nurses and paralegals to do that work. So really, it's it's any any job that you can think of, it, it can be done. I, I think I mentioned we we even placed an architect uh, to do some job costing for uh, for uh, uh, um, a client last last fall who had all these you know it had all these massive um, government contracts that he was bidding on, 
and he needed he needed someone with, with architectural experience to go through and actually be able to give action you know, accurate uh, bids. And so that you know we were able to place an architect who had spent the previous couple of months in Dubai working on a hotel, and we were able to place an architect for fifteen dollars an hour with with this client of ours. So the, 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 there again, that labor cost arbitrage comes into play, where you can get incredible qualified skilled labor for an incredibly uh, affordable rate. Now, if somebody like myself, a solopreneur, uh, basically comes to you, what kind of pricing options do you have available? Well, we offer a, uh, a couple of different packages. One is a, uh, what, what we like to call the corporate package, and that's a full-time virtual assistant, 160 hours a month, uh, which, is, which breaks down into the 40 hours a week. And we offer that at seven, $7.50 an hour. And we, we provide with that free unlimited uh, voice over IP with a local DID. So wherever, wherever you are in the country, we can get you a local number so you're not calling long distance to your uh, VA. And then we, we suggest using Skype, uh, as you and I are using right now, in addition to the, to the local number. And that, uh, that, that can be on any sort of 40-hour-a-week schedule that you like. We also have a small business package where uh, it's 80 hours, and that goes up to 850 an hour, uh, 80 hours a month. And then we have an entrepreneur package that's 40 hours a month for 950. And then we have for for people that are looking to kind of dip their toe in the water, we can do some smaller tests uh, at the $12 an hour rate. Now we have all of our employees set up in an office, and we actually pay our employees uh, full benefits. So one of the great things of using a firm that's set up set up to place virtual assistants as opposed to uh, say a freelancer is. Um, our, our employees are being paid extremely well and they're being taken care of. They get their benefits, their health, their dental, all of that uh, included in that rate. So even though it's an extremely affordable rate, uh, the 750 is $0.50 cents below the U.S. minimum wage rate, uh, you, you still can feel good about the fact that you, you have an employee that you're taking care of. Now, with this employee, I mean, how how well versed are they going to be in different aspects and area? I mean, is is somebody like that going to be able to do some of my accounting work via the web, and then, of course, at the same time, be able to maybe put together some graphics for a website? I mean, wh- I mean, how how broad is the work that they can do for me? We we um, take that on a case by case basis. Essentially, if if uh, you or one of your listeners is looking to pick up a virtual assistant. We would, uh, we would talk about, you know, what package, package would work best for you. And then we'd outline the typical tasks that need to be performed. And then uh, once, we, once we got that organized, I would actually set up a, um, a meeting with our service delivery team over in the Philippines. And I would have my HR director in the Philippines uh, on that call. And she would, she, would get to, get to, she would go through a variety of questions that she has. And then we literally... We put that out to the Filipino workforce, uh, you, you know, the, the job posting. And then we, we filtered through hundreds and hundreds of resumes. And then we, we, we uh, have them take a, a barrage of tests, English comprehension, English speaking. Uh, we even have them take IQ tests, uh, as well as uh, having them pass uh, the Filipino equivalent of an FBI background check to make sure they don't have any criminal activity. And then after we do all of that, we narrow hundreds and hundreds of resumes down to uh, what we call personnel profiles. And we submit three personnel profiles uh, for the client 
to review. And then from there, they can choose to interview one or all three. And then uh, then you're placed live with your, with your personal VA, who's been kind of custom picked towards your needs. So yeah, if you do need some design work, we'll find someone that can do some design work. Again, if you need someone that's like Photoshop um, savvy, those, those costs would be, they would probably run a little higher. Right. But basic, basic design or basic billing or basic things like that, that can be, that, that you can teach to a VA uh, are all included in that 750 rate. Does your firm offer anything for a solopreneur who basically just has a project or a task? Uh, yeah. As I said, if you needed something less than 40 hours a month, uh, then you know our prices go up to a more typical rate, 12 bucks an hour. Uh, and we can sit down and talk about those on, on a task-by-task basis. Uh, if you're looking for a specialist, uh, a lot of times that is, that is the, the way it goes. So with a, with a virtual specialist that's going to actually develop out a website or, or you know, do a job cost on, on a specific project for you, those are done on an individual base, uh, job basis. Are there any additional questions that you think I should ask to bring into this as well? Well, I think, I think we kind of, I kind of sketched out a few notes here, uh, between you and me, this is my first interview I've ever had. So I, I kind of wrote down some notes that I wanted to kind of touch on that I thought really brought home the value of a, of a virtual assistant. And we, we covered all of the points on my, on my uh, page. Good. Well, I guess one last thing I could leave you with is I, I really feel that the virtual assistant is, uh, an integral part to this country's, uh, coming out of this re- great recession. Uh, as we touched on earlier, and it's it's really a revolution that is going to happen. It's it's happening. And it's going to continue to happen. Just as we had the the PC revolution in the uh, in the 80s, and then we had the internet revolution in the 90s. I really feel that here uh, in 2010, we're we're seeing kind of the the blend of the PC and the internet, and in, and in really bringing in the virtual assistant. It's really the next the next step, the next revolution. And so some jobs may be wiped out, but I think more jobs will be created. And I, I, I think it's a really exciting, really exciting chapter for uh, a lot of solopreneurs, as you've been talking about, and small to mid-sized businesses, because it re- really the virtual assistant allows them, extends to them the opportunity to kind of compete with these larger corporations on a global scale, which was not previously been available to them. Well, I can tell you right now, my, my business is definitely benefited from having a virtual assistant myself. I am glad to have you on and it was very good to have uh, your your perspective brought into the conversation here. So Gilbert, I thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you for uh, having me on, Cliff. Appreciate it. Well, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode of the Virtual Assistant Podcast. A special thank you to Gilbert Balouf for doing this interview. And you can check out his business over there at staffvirtual.com. And of course, I can't end this episode without again saying thank you to our wonderful sponsors over at contemporaryva.com. And of course, there's links to contemporaryva.com on our website over at virtualassistantpodcast.com. Of course, we want to answer your questions in an upcoming episode of the Virtual Assistant Podcast. You can give us a call, 859-795-4067. Again, that number is 859-795-4067. Until next time, everybody, join the community. Join the community.